Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the epistle to the Colossians and the fourth chapter, Colossians chapter 4. You know, we've often heard the expression that one soul is worth more than the whole world. And, of course, that's implied when Christ says, what shall a man gain if he gain the whole world, lose his own soul? And so every soul is worth more than the whole world as far as I'm concerned. And the motto, I guess, for your missions conference is to let your light so shine. And and that would imply, obviously, as a New Testament church, doing that corporately together, getting the gospel out there. But it also would imply your individual responsibility to shine as a light in a, a very dark world. And there's a word for that. It starts with a T, and it's the word testimony. Testimony. You know, that was a word I didn't use before I got saved. In fact, I never really gave it any thought that I am a a testimony, but boy, the night I got saved, that became a stark realization that, that the whole world is watching. And there's a group of people called them that are without. And it's surprising how many times you read that expression over in the Bible, them that are without. And we want to talk about them tonight. And I want to start in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at a lot of verses. Beginning in verse 2. Paul says to a local church, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thankfulness or thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Notice that expression, them that are without. Father, we ask you now to help us tonight to listen carefully. And Father, I just pray that uh, that which is presented from thy word would be helpful, would be practical, and, and uh, would be thought-provoking. And Lord, that you would help your people to remember they do have a light and that this world is very dark. And, and Father, we have the opportunity to bring the illumination of Christ to this darkened world through our testimony. Help us now to do that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I was a little kid, uh, we had a woods behind our house, and Dad had some old boards laying around, and so we kind of borrowed those boards, and we took them down, dragged them down into the woods, and we built a fort. How many have ever built a fort before? We had our own fort, and with that, we had our own club, and with that, we had our own password, we had our own policy, we had our own co uh, code, if you will, and we took our oaths and so on, and we even kind of had our own vocabulary, you know, our, our little buzz expressions, things that we knew, kind of little secret expressions that nobody else really knew. It was kind of like our own little fraternity. You know, in the Christian world, folks, whether you realize it or not, we have our own club. We have our own fraternity. We have our own expressions. I just used testimony a moment ago, and that'd be a, a foreign word to a lost person. That'd be a, a foreign concept to them that are without. There are those who are within. There are those who are without. In fact, we find this expression over in 1 Corinthians 5. Paul says, for what have I to judge, do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. We read that and we know instantly it's talking about the lost. It's talking about the saved. There's those who are without and they are different from those who are within. You know, in Mark chapter uh, 11, or I'm sorry, you need not turn over there, but in Mark chapter 4 and verses 10 and 11, Christ had just gotten done telling a parable, and of course, it went over the heads of the lost. And the disciples were even kind of going, we don't get it. And so they asked him about it. And in verse 11, he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. And so he says, you know what? These are for your ears. And so Christ even mentions you guys and then them that are without. Now, there's two very, very distinctive groups in this world. And it's not the young and the old. It's not the rich and the poor. It's, it's not male and female. It's actually the lost and the saved. 
And, and, and there are times that we forget that, but the Bible speaks of the children of this world and that it also speaks of the children of light. That's you. That's me. That's, that's the saved. And yet, it's easy for a child of God to forget that. I'm thinking right now of a, a preacher out in a southwestern state. And uh, this guy has been all over the news for his testimony. I'm talking about an independent Baptist preacher. Uh, he put on social media, somebody needs to assassinate the president. He put on social media how he had been tased at the border, bragging about that, how he didn't cooperate with the authorities, and they tased him, and he was pretty proud of that. I've been to Africa and heard of his name over there because they kicked him out of the country. I've been to Ireland. They won't allow him there in Ireland. And I'm talking about somebody. And by the way, he's blasting me on the Internet as well, and I, I've never even met the guy. But I, I think of somebody like that airing out laundry, dirty laundry, if you will, and I think of the bad testimony that is to the lost and how he does not understand this concept of them that are without, those who are lost. I want you to imagine for just a moment living on an island of blind people. These are people who've never seen any form. They've never seen any color. They've never seen the light of day. They're blind. And that's all they know. They don't even know they're blind because everybody else there on the island is blind along with them. Folks, that's the world we live in. We live in a world of blindness, of lost people. They don't know they're lost. I didn't know I was lost for nearly 21 years. I was just kind of going with the flow, as it were. And God has a design for churches like this and Christians like this to reach in as, as, as brands in the burning and to lovingly pluck those lost people out, those who are without. And... That may often be met with resistance. I understand that. I, I know they don't get it. They don't even know you're trying to help them. But we are bringing light to them. We're bringing good news to them. They are those who are without. And, and sadly, sadly, I've noticed that the longer Christians been saved, the, the, the more they can get casual with this and cavalier with this and oblivious to this, that there's a lost world around them to the place they don't mind their P's and Q's, if I could put it that way. They don't really know that they're on display 24-7. And they've just kind of been lulled into, well, I'm just part of this system here. But you're really not. You're those who are on board trying to reach those who are without. You know, we were talking today about uh, flying, the, the preacher and I. And, and uh, somebody in particular he had flown with who had just slept the whole way. And, and, you know, if you've ever flown on a plane, you know there's that drone, that, that steady sound. And it can kind of lull you to sleep. And sadly, I know of some believers, and they've just kind of lived in this lost world for so long, they've been lulled into a sleep. But folks, there's God's world, and then there's this world. There's man's world. And we are aliens and strangers on this world, but, but we are here now for such a time as this to reach them who are without. And as we talk about that tonight, I want you to consider, first of all, the blindness of sinners, the blindness of sinners. Now, that's not flattering. I understand that. To say a lost person is, is blind, they would take offense at that, but that's what the Bible teaches. Now, look if you would in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And so, if we're going to understand the importance of ministering to them that are without, we have to realize where they're at and remember where they're at. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and in verse number 26, Paul says to a local church, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. That's true. You don't see the big shots getting saved. Their, their pride stands in the way. Their, their intellect stands in the way. They're, they're puffed up with knowledge in many cases. And, and what he says is true. Not many mighty or wise after the flesh, not many noble are called. They don't even get on board. Notice verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And so we find here not many of the upper echelon gets saved. Not, not many of the Bill Gates and the Warren Buffets and, and that crowd, the, the high political offices, people like that. They just don't get it. And it, it's not a matter of, of intellect, really, because even Einstein read through the entire Bible and commented afterwards, eh, pretty, pretty uh, shallow, pretty simple. And, and, you know, to him and his super brain, yeah, but he still didn't get the truth of the Bible. 
He missed the Savior. He missed the message from Genesis to Revelation. He missed the sacrifice. He missed the blood. He missed all of that. And so you can be super smart and still miss it. There is a hidden spiritual wisdom that only God gives. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul talks about it here. In verse number 6, Paul says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. Notice the difference there. Nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they missed it. Brilliant men, learned men, educated men, but them that are without. And these are men who uh, memorized the Old Testament, knew the letter of the law, scribes in some cases, who copied it every single day, and yet they missed it. But he goes on in verse 9 and he says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, we often talk about that verse, and we put it in a a heavenly sense, how we can't imagine how glorious it is up there. But in truth, it's talking about understanding and discerning the spiritual things that the world doesn't get. Now, in verse number 10, Paul says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Notice it mentions there the deep things of God. And so there are the things of God that the world does not get them that are without. They just don't get it. And truth be known, they're on the outside looking in. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2, we're told to, in meekness, instruct those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, or perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Do you know that the world is actually opposing themselves? I've witnessed to people and they've said, put that Bible away and you're in a cult and you blankety blank this and so on and so forth. And you just kind of go, whoa, you know, but but they are opposing themselves. And we are told yet to instruct them in meekness. They're opposing themselves, but we're, we're, we're instructing them in meekness, hoping that perhaps God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. There are people in your circle of influence who just don't get it. In fact, some of you have folks in your home. And they might be siblings, they might be children, uh, they might be spouses. And they are without. And you're living in this world and they're living in that world. And they don't know that they don't know. And I cannot stress this enough. So that we remember this. Because we can get pretty indignant with the lost. We can get pretty frustrated with the lost. And the fact be known, we can lose our patience with the unsaved quite often. You know, the the Bible talks about those that are in darkness. And Christ even says this, I think in Matthew 6, 23. He says, if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that? I want you to think about what he's saying there. If what you think is true, if, if what you think is right is wrong, and man, you're, you're convicted with this, this, this belief, you die for this, how great is that darkness? I grew up in a, like I said, a mainline traditional denomination for nearly 21 years of my life. I went to church every single Sunday. In fact, through most of my education, I went to church every single day. When I went off to secular college, man, I'm, I'm a long ways from mom and dad, but I got up every Sunday morning and I went to church. I was faithful in that religion. I, I defended that religion. I was active in that religion. And I believed my religion was the true religion. It was the one true church. And boy, when somebody came along and, and challenged me on this, I was offended. How dare you? You're, you're, you're a member of something else, a spinoff, something down here. I'm up here. And the light that was in me was darkness. How great was that darkness? People are in darkness. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, since you're so close by. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, uh, verse number 11. It says, um, 1 Corinthians 6, let's start in verse number 9, all right? It, it says, know, uh, know ye not that the unrighteous 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty plain. And that's quite a a nasty resume there, isn't it? But notice, as you go on in verse 11, Paul says this, And such were some of you. Such were some of you, including me. That was my description before I got saved, and it's, it's not a pretty description here. But we find that we can get indignant with the lost when actually we need to rewind and remember where we came from here. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It's easy for us to forget where we came from. It's easy to, to forget our testimony. It's easy for us to forget where people are at and trying to reach them where they're at. When I was in Bible college, I, I had a, a best friend, another preacher boy with me in Bible college, and I was going to Bible college in my hometown where I'd actually been born and, and grown up. And uh, so uh, one day after Bible college, I decided to go visit my sister and took this friend um, with me. And, and we got over there. And, of course, I'm trying to win my lost relatives to the Lord. You know how that is. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of making sure, you know, the conversation goes this way and that way. And, and this, this guy, this Bible college student said one inappropriate thing after another. And he was casting his pearls before swine. He was talking about all these strict rules that we have in Bible college. Can't even wear a mustache and on and on. I'm, I'm just going, ixnay, ixnay. You know, I have a lost relative here. But he forgot that. And that's what Peter's talking about. They cannot see afar off. They've forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. And they have forgotten where people are at. And as a result, they're casting pearls before swine. You're familiar with that expression? That's what we do when we forget those that are without. Now, to never plan on telling them what this Bible has to say would be compromise. But to cast pearls before swine is foolish. It's kind of like penicillin. If you're sick, you bring it home, you take a a teaspoon at a time, you get well. You, You try and take the whole thing, it doesn't work that way. We have to work with people where they're at. And and they're on the outside looking in. They don't get it. And so we see, first of all, the blindness of sinners. Secondly, we see the burden of the saints. Now, you and I have a responsibility. And I know it can weigh heavily on our heart. But we all know lost people. And if we stop and we reflect on how horrible hell is, how long eternity is, sometimes it's overwhelming, isn't it? It is to me at least. There was a, a dear man, he's in heaven now, his name was Harris. I, I led him to the Lord years ago, and he was really a, a, a hard nut to crack. He, he came to service after service, left, he told me later, with a pounding headache. He was so under conviction, but he kept coming back, and then he got gloriously saved. And afterwards, he was so burdened for his loved ones. He said to me one time, Pastor, do they know what they put us through? Do they know the burden we have to carry around for them? And I said, no, they don't know. They don't know that, and they won't know that until they get saved. You and I have an accountability to the lost. You and I have a responsibility to the lost. And and the fact is, um, the night I got saved, I recognized I have a world to reach now. In fact, the very next day I got up, I often talk about March 5th, 1981. That's, that was a Thursday night in Crookston, Minnesota. I was born again. But, but the next day I got up and, boy, the world looked different. The world sounded different. Suddenly cuss words and everything else. The, everything was raunchy. I just went, whoa, where have I been? And I didn't see but one person that entire day, and it was the journeyman that I worked with in the electrical van. And all day long, I, of course, I'm, I'm saved less than 24 hours. How much Bible did I know, okay? And so I, it's not like I'm quoting a verse and so on, but I'm trying to tell him what happened to me, and I was relentless. And finally, about mid-afternoon, he said, Skeving, just shut up. I, I can't take anymore. And, you know, I, I never really did know what to say to him, but I, I knew there was somebody who showed me from the Bible how to be saved. I got him to my pastor, and in time, old Jack got saved. But, but the, the night I got saved, I realized I'm in a different club. I'm in a different fraternity. I, I'm in a different world here. Everything is different, and it really is. Now, there are some 
precious saints, and they don't like that burden. They don't like that accountability. They, they don't like that, that responsibility. And they want to just live their own life, and they don't, they don't like the fishbowl, as it were. And, and, and they can actually adopt a, a very um, self-centered personality and, and a selfish attitude of like, well, I didn't, I didn't sign on for this. Really, you did. And when we don't want that responsibility and we shrink back, it's, it's really a, a matter of selfishness. In fact, look in Romans chapter 14. Oh, we want to go to heaven, but that uh, godly testimony and that life lived in that vacuum. You know, we don't really want that. But the truth is, it's part of the Christian life. Somebody is always watching. Those that are without. In Romans chapter 14... And in verse number 7, Paul puts it so simply, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. You know, there are people watching from afar. And by the way, some of you who are on the internet a lot, don't forget that. There's a reason they call it the World Wide Web. And everything you post, they're watching that. And there are those who are without that are watching you. There are those who are watching close up, your kids, your, your co-workers, and your actions definitely speak louder than your words. You know, sometimes we might wish that uh, we could just kind of be removed from it all and get away from the world. And, and uh, we're talking about colonies today where various religious groups live in and, and how they check out of society and, and they go out there and, and you say, you know, sometimes that seems appealing to me. Sometimes it seems appealing to me. It really does. But, you know, we are, we are still to be in the world while not of the world. And, and Paul said, uh, you know, if you're going to get away from it all, then you must needs go out of this world. You're familiar with that verse. And uh, God hasn't called us to live on Mars. God hasn't called us to live on, on the moon. And so here we are, and the world is watching us. And they're seeing whatever we say, where we go, what we engage in, what we put on social media. You know, backing up to that thought, some of the things I, I see Christians post on social media, you wonder what they're thinking. You're, you're, you're wondering, do they remember the whole world is looking at this? And, and honestly, it's like they drank some truth serum and they start divulging in things that, that like you're casting your pearls before swine here. You don't do that. In fact, you are to watch your testimony. You're in the fishbowl enough without airing out your laundry and not only that, but honestly, we're not that interesting, you know. Maybe, maybe fewer posts might be okay. It's not about me. And, and we're depraved enough without posting it online here, all right, and putting all doubts to rest. But, but we have a watching world, and we're on stage 24-7. And, and those who are without are watching us. We are to be bringing good news from a, 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 another world to their world. We're, we're to be telling them about the life after this one. This, this life is all they know. And the Bible holds the truth and people are in their hopeless condition and, and they are condemned because they are without. Let's not trip them up with our lives. We read this in Romans, uh, or Mark 3, I'm sorry. It mentions how Christ ordained 12 that they should be with him. You say, what's that talking about? The fact that he didn't pull away from them, he let them watch him all the time, 24-7. He had nothing to hide. His testimony, obviously, was, was flawless. And in the same way, we are to be in this world. We have the world watching us, as it were. I know it's a burden, but it's something God has called us to do. And we need to be aware of that continually. The Bible says, let no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And, of course, that would go for the lost as well. We need to be continually aware of them that are without. You know, having this recognition of the testimony we carry to a lost and dying world, it really reveals our spiritual growth, how much we really understand this. It's a telltale sign whether somebody needs to grow up, they're a baby Christian, or they've been saved long enough to understand how important this really is. You know, if you've observed babies, and I, I was just telling somebody today, I love babies. But if you've observed babies, they don't care about how they're perceived, do they? I was eating um, with my grandkids here last week, and my, my little granddaughter, little toddler, had yogurt all over her mouth. 
And he, he's just chewing away here, and it, it's all over her mouth. And I reached over, said, here, let Grandpa help you there. And she, she didn't care. You wipe it off, you could leave it. But, you know, babies do things, and, and, and if we did them, we'd be embarrassed. A baby will stare, and they, they're not embarrassed about doing that. A baby will burp. Uh, a baby will, will, will fill his pants. And, and, and they don't care because they're a baby. They don't care how they're perceived. See what I'm saying? Do we make the connection here? Uh, if we are not a mature Christian, we're not going to really perceive uh, how people are watching us and, and how they think of us, as it were. I have a, a younger brother that uh, when he was a, a little guy, the Avon lady was over our house. And the Avon lady came every couple weeks, three weeks, I forget. Mom would always buy stuff. And uh, I, I just can't figure another way to put it. She had really big bags under her eyes, really noticeable bags under her eyes. And one day the Avon lady was there, and my younger brother Jeff walked in the room, and he goes, why does the Avon lady have such big bags under her eyes? Just said it as loud as could be. And my, my mom was kind of, get, get away, kid, you know. And uh, he just kept saying, my, those are big bags under her eyes. And, oh, it was so embarrassing. That's kids. They're blunt. They don't know any better. A Christian should know better. A Christian should be concerned how we're perceived. Now, you say, well, that's being two-faced, is it? Shouldn't we be godly all the time? Should it really matter? Shouldn't we be watching what we say? And honestly, shouldn't we be concerned all the time about not tripping somebody up? Them that are without. It's selfish not to care. And somebody says, well, I, I don't care what they think of me. I do. We should. We represent the King of Kings. Look, if you would, in Titus chapter 3. What about your neighbor? You know, Cain had that selfish attitude. Am I my brother's keeper? Let's be thinking about others. Let's be thinking about them that are without. In Titus chapter 3 and in verse number 1. By the way, Paul talks so much about this. He said, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also, notice, were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And then there's that famous verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, saved us, and so on. That's how we got saved. But notice, as we back up to verse number 2, Paul tells us as believers to speak evil of no man. That means to malign others. Do you ever malign other people in front of lost people? Do you ever, do you ever uh, badger somebody? Or defame somebody or rail on somebody around a lost person? Do you ever slander somebody around a lost person? Do you ever put them down? You know, this seems to be a pastime, unfortunately, for Christian people. We get a critical spirit and we, we start speaking negatively. And it's kind of become our favorite indoor sport. Uh, at work, you gossip. And, of course, there's always lost people listening to that. And, and, and the question is, what do they think of you? And Paul goes on, he says, in verse 2, and to be no brawler. Are you quarrelsome at work? Are you quarrelsome in your neighborhood? Are you quarrelsome amongst your family? Maybe you need to lighten up. Maybe you need to show more grace, as it were, and give folks some room. Do you quarrel around other people? Do you get into arguments over politics with the lost? Do you, do you get into conspiracy theories with the lost? Well, I think this is going on. I think that's going on. Are you nasty amongst unsaved people? And, you know, every office, every neighborhood, every family has a person like that, the, the jerk, as it were. But I hope you're not known as a jerk amongst the unsaved or somebody hard to get along with, somebody he's, who's feuding and scrapping with other people. You know, in, uh, in 1 Timothy 3, if you want to turn back there, you're finding here the qualifications of a pastor. I, I get it. But really, any Christian ought to try and live by these. In verse number 7, it says, Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. Do we have that 
good report amongst those who are on the outside looking in. Do we have a winsome personality? You know what I mean by that? We ought to have that amongst the unsaved just normally, naturally. And so we see the blindness of sinners. We see the burden of saints. Thirdly, let's talk about the balance of socializing. Now, we use this expression quite often. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And the world is what? The world is the mission field. And in our old building years ago, we, we used to have a sign over the door, you're now entering in to the mission field. You really are. You, you leave these four doors and, and these four walls and you're entering into the, the mission field. And so we have a responsibility to reach them. Now, you can do one of two things out there, or three actually. One, you can reach them as a, a, a good testimony. Two, you could let them get to you and taint you and drag you down, and instead of, of you affecting them, they affect you. Now, look, if you would, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. We have examples of that in the Bible. I think of, of Solomon. Here's the wisest man who ever lived, and, and yet he blew his testimony. He, he fraternized so much with the, the heathen wives and all. They, they took him down, and, 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 and he blew it. The world can do that to us. And kids are very vulnerable. Young people, you're very impressionable. They, they can take you down very easily. And, and you could go from being an evangelist and a missionary to being a casualty. And, and so let's get the big picture. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and in verse number 17, Peter says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. That can happen. And you can blow your testimony in the process. You know, David blew it. And we could talk about the mistake of David with Bathsheba and how he committed a murder in that process. And, and when Nathan shows up, he has something to tell David. In 2 Samuel 12, he says, How be it, because by this deed thou hast given Great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. David blew it. And God had to make an example here. Sadly, because he had been a bad testimony of the lost. He had given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. Well, some God you have. And folks, we've all blown it. You know, as I thought about this earlier today, if I could rewind my Christian life and go back, I could think of the things that I should not have done and purchases I shouldn't have made and, and made and confrontations I should not have had. And, and you know, there's obviously going to be some regret. We can't undo that. We can't erase that. We can't go back in a time machine. But we can, from this point on, say, wait a minute, I get it. There are those that are without. I do have a light that is to shine before men. I don't want to be a stumbling block to them, and we don't want to blow it like David did. We've all blown it, and honestly, um, you know, we could all say maybe we have blood on our hands, and, and uh, we confuse people, as it were, and compromise definitely confuses. No question about that. I think of uh, Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, hobnobbing with wicked King Ahab, and uh, how he blew it at that point, and so beware lest you're a casualty. That's one extreme. But the other extreme is this. And this is what I want to really drive home to you. Beware of being a Pharisee. To them that are without, being a holier than thou. And getting really to the place where you, you, you're so disgusted with people, you're so disgusted with the lost, that it's like, that's it. I, I wash my hands of them. We have a, a, a newly elected state senator in Minnesota that... Uh, for years, was kind of a celebrity in our area. He was on television every night and in the local news, media, and so on and so forth. And so kind of a household name and a, a recognizable face. And recently, he won an election and uh, went to the state capitol in St. Paul. And the very first bill that came up uh, because of the issue with the Supreme Court and abortion recently was uh, what Minnesota is going to do with the, uh, the whole abortion issue. And, and they took it to the limit. I mean, we are now the most extreme state in the union 
when it comes to abortion. I mean, partial birth abortion, right up to the birth of the child. They can, they can, they can kill the child. This guy voted for it, and I was fuming mad. I, I'll just be honest with you. I, was, I had smoke coming out of my ears, and, and I, I, I wanted to just, ugh. I wanted to beat him up. I really did. But obviously, we don't do that to them that are without. And so I sit down to, to, to type up something, and, and, and obviously, I could just give him a piece of my mind. And the Holy Spirit is going, this is a lost man. This is them who are without. And so it changes to basically Bible and reasoning and trying to help him see that that's a child. That's, a, that's an eternity-bound soul from the moment of conception and, and, and giving him a Bible study. And I don't know where it went with that. But honestly, it's so easy for us to get disgusted with the lost and where they're at and the decisions they make. And, and we could get to where we're scolding people for living together out of marriage and, and all kinds of things and, and forgetting where they are at. Now, there's a lot of things the lost are doing. I don't agree with it. You don't agree with it. But they don't answer to me. They don't answer to you. They answer to God. And so please, as you get disgusted with them that are without, don't give Christ a bad name. Remember, you represent the king of kings. Be careful not to major on, I don't want to call them minors. They're they're important issues. But the issue is the salvation of their soul. Let's remember that. You know, when I'm dealing with a lost person, I don't start with the King James Version, okay? I'm I'm a huge proponent of the King James. That's all we'll ever use. It's the word of God. But you know, the lost don't get that. They don't understand there's a, a, a Bible version controversy out there. I didn't before I got saved. You don't start there. You remember where they are at. And the goal is their soul. Now, here's what we do, all right? Um, we, we, we earn a, uh, a hearing, if I could put it that way. You, you, you have a relationship with them, and you have a testimony with them, and you earn a hearing with them. Now, you folks here all live in neighborhoods or you live in apartments. And, and so you, you have people that live by you, I'd assume, for the most part. How much do you know about your neighbor three doors down? I mean, do you know their children's name? What we do is, as Christian people, we, we build an eight-foot fence, either literally or, or in our lives, and we just go, you know what? They're without, I'm within, and I'm going to stay in, in my little world. And when we do have some kind of a testimony, it's, it's a scary one. You know, we, we're known as the guy walking around with a 10-pound Bible and, and uh, stickers all over our car. And, and when we come into a, an event, we say, all right, I'm here now. Nobody's going to smoke. There'll be no drinking. There'll be no cussing. I'm here. I'm a Christian. And and you, and you think, well, they'll respect that. No, they think you're a nut. They don't respect that. They're scared of you. You've gone for the juggler. How about building some, some relationships, some friendships? It's, a, it's really a good time of the year as you come into the nice weather to be able to get out and, and talk to your neighbors, be it three doors down or, or somewhere around, but build a relationship with them. And, and that obviously starts by living like a Christian in front of them. Living the life. Now, I'm not, I'm not negating confrontational evangelism. I, I'm not saying, you know, lifestyle evangelism, that's where it's go. But, but there are going to be times that, that uh, you have time for them to get to know you, and other times you don't. I mentioned last night witnessing uh, to a lady on, 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 on an airplane. I didn't have time for her to watch my life. Obviously, I'll never meet her again. And so I, I, I talk Bible. We talk Bible for nearly uh, two hours. And by the way, everybody's a bowl of worms inside. Don't ever forget that. Everybody has a burden on their heart. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's hurting. Amen. And as we talked for quite a while, toward the end, she said, you know what? I, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling with anxiety. I, I have some real issues. And, and she just really opened up. And, and so anyway... I mean, there are times, I get it, where you just have to go ahead and witness. But, but those people you live around, what kind of a testimony do you have around them? Do you, do you have a good family that they can go, you know what, I wish I had kids like they have. I wish I had a family like they have. Do you take the time to do things for them? Like maybe if, if uh, they're sick, you mow their lawn or, or you shovel their sidewalk, as it were. You know, my wife years ago... 
um, knew of somebody who needed a babysitter and, and, and just said, hey, I'll watch your kids. That led to a Bible study, which led to a profession of faith. I'm just saying, do you look for those opportunities? You know, the Bible says in Titus 3 and in verse number 8, they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable. Notice, unto men. When we do these things, it's profitable unto the lost. And you do those things for folks, and you, you live a godly life in front of them, and you love them, and guess what? The day comes when something does happen in their world. Their life does collapse. Their marriage does get rocky. Their wall does get to the back, uh, back to the wall financially. And, and, and now they come to you. And you have this opening. Uh, this conversation ensues. As a result, you're able to try and reach them for Christ. Look in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you would. Just a few pages back from where you are. Now, let me just say this. As you try and reach people, be it in the neighborhood, be it at work, lost people can be uh, pretty unreasonable. <laughs> Bible even has that to say. In fact, uh, we read this in 2 Thessalonians 3, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Is that an understatement? Is that not true? All men have not faith. And many of them are not only wicked... They're unreasonable. We read this in Proverbs 26. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. So the bottom line is, don't get on their level. All right? Don't respond in like kind. If they get ugly, if they get unreasonable, stay Christ-like. I don't know if, if, if you know Dr. Larry Clayton, um, if he's preached here. He's, he's been a friend of mine for years. I call him Pops. He's like a dad to me. And and uh, he's taught me a lot of things over the years. He, um, he pastored in Ohio for some years before he went into evangelism. He was in a, a statewide preacher's meeting in Ohio. And uh, this was back, I suppose, in the 70s. And some preacher got up and, and talked about how uh, in his town, everybody hated him. The mayor hated him. The councilman hated him. The building inspector hated him. Uh, the people around his church hated him. Everybody hated me, he said. And, of course, uh, yeah, amen, you know. Brother Clayton got up afterwards, and only Brother Clayton would do this. <laughs> he said, gentlemen, in my town, everybody loves me. I have a good relationship with the mayor. I have a good relationship with the councilman. I have a good relationship with the, uh, the, the building inspector. And, and uh, he just went the total opposite with it. Now, I understand there are times when, when you do lock horns with uh, officials and, and they're unreasonable. I, I get that. But we don't have to make the world hate us. The Bible speaks of the offense of the gospel, but we don't have to be offensive. There's a difference. We don't have to be abrasive. And here in 1 Peter chapter 2, and in verse number 12, Peter speaks of having your conversation. That means your lifestyle, your behavior. Honest among the Gentiles. That's the lost. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day a visitation. There it is. And so let's not be offensive. Yes, the gospel will offend, but we don't have to offend. The bidding of the sovereign is to live a godly life, not negating the preaching and, and, the, and the witnessing, but not turning off people as we try and reach them. We read in Philippians 2.15 that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine, notice, as lights in the world. And we are to shine as lights in the world. Let's not turn them off while we're trying to carry the light to them. Look in Matthew chapter 5, where your uh, missions motto is for this year. You know, we have a high calling. And uh, it's a higher calling than to be governor of Pennsylvania or a, a U.S. senator here in this state, or even the, the mayor of Emmaus, we, we have a higher calling than any of those things. It's a, the calling to be a Christian, to be a light. And, and here in Matthew chapter 5, and in verse number 14, Christ says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, there's not a word in this about us verbally speaking. I don't have time to let you examine it. I've turned it upside down and sideways, and there's nothing there about our spoken word, our, 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 our verbal witnessing. And again, I'm not negating us doing that. We need to do that. I, I pass tracks. I talk to folks. I, we go door to door. And, and quite honestly, there are just some times when there's not the time to let them watch your life for a while, as it were. I get it. But those you know, are your best prospects to lead to Christ. Your acquaintances. Those are the very ones we kind of are afraid of, we shy away from. But those are the ones that know you. Those are the ones you have time to pray for. Those are the ones who can see a a difference in you. Those are the ones that you can earn a hearing to witness to them from. And that expression, I hope you understand it. Earn a hearing. Earn a hearing. Now, those are also the ones that uh, you can offend. And if you've offended a lost person, them that are without, let's be real, and let's be honest, and let's, let's go make it right. I've had to do that. If you've held a grudge, you're not going to reach somebody while you're holding a grudge toward them or they're holding a grudge towards you. And uh, if you have a bitterness in your heart, uh, you can't explain the forgiveness of God while you have unforgiveness in, in your heart. And uh, you can't talk about the love of God if you're not loving the lost. And so know this. Get right with God. Pray for them. And then take the light to them. Take the light to them. Now know this. When we bring the the light to somebody, and, and we say this is what the Bible has to say, it's unspoken, but immediately we're attacking what they already believe. You know, when I got saved, I tried to witness to my mother. And by the way, she got saved a month and a half before she died of four-stage pancreatic cancer. Talk about the 11th hour. But I prayed for her 29 years, but the very first time I tried to witness to her, I pulled my little New Testament out of my pocket, and, and she acted like I pulled a gun on her. She said, put that thing away, because it's an affront upon her religion. And, and just know this, when you confront somebody with the truth, a, a lost person, them that are without, you're going to be perceived someone as arrogant, maybe, like, oh, you got all the answers, or, or you got all the truth, and, and you're the right one, and they're the wrong one. That's, that's how it looks to the world. That's how it looks to the lost people. But let's know this. We wear an awesome label. It's that of Christian, and we, we need to live by it. You know, when Paul witnessed to Agrippa, Herod said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He's inferring to Paul here, implying that Paul's a Christian. Paul had earned that title. He was known as a Christian. Now, he wasn't perfect. And we can even read about Paul fighting with Peter. We can read about uh, Paul uh, chiding the high priest when he got smacked on the mouth. And by the way, um, you can speculate why he called him white-walled, which is a hypocrite. But when he learned what he had done, he backed up. He said, I, I didn't know as a high priest. You're to honor him. Paul recognized this, somebody who is without. And he might have ordered me smacked on the mouth, but that man's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire, and uh, I don't wish evil upon him. Paul backpedaled right away, and, and Paul made sure his testimony was, was repaired. Now, the Bible says this in Romans 15:1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know, those who are without... They're not only in darkness, but they're in weakness. And those of us who are saved, the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Sometimes you have to put up with a smack in the mouth. Sometimes you have to uh, put up with an indignancy and, and an insult and, and even some bitterness towards you. And you're going to have to deal with people that are not living right and certainly not living the way the Bible says they ought to be living. And so how do you react? A few months ago, right around Christmas, we had our children's Christmas program at Fargo Baptist Church. And uh, there were a lot of visitors who came, the relatives of the little kids. You, you have that happen here, I'm sure, and everybody's taking pictures and so on. Afterwards, we're over in the fellowship hall, and a lot of people mingling in there, and I see a young lady in there. I'm talking about somebody in, in maybe early 20s, mid-20s. I hadn't seen her in years. And I knew about her. She had gone to our church at one time. The family had been to the church at one time. In fact, I remember when she was born. 
And I knew that she was living the, the lesbian lifestyle at that point, and everything about her said it. I mean, it was, it was just obvious. And you say, well, what'd you do? I went up and I made a, a point of talking to her. Uh, I, I hurt for her parents, and, uh, and I treated her like she's my daughter, because she's somebody's daughter, right? And uh, she's them without or without. You know, we can get indignant. By the way, we can have our pet sin. Well, I can, I can overlook this one. The, the drunkenness, okay, I get, whoa, but this one, no. You know, sin is sin, folks. It really is. And, 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 and here's somebody that is without. Here's somebody that is confused. People are confused. People need the Lord. We, we sing about that. But it's, it's so true. You know, the world looks at us, and, and uh, here we are. We bring our Bibles to church. We come to church Sunday morning. We come to church Sunday night. We come to church Wednesday night. Here we are Thursday night. We sing these songs. They're strange to them. They never heard these songs. We have this service where this guy stands up, and he hollers at the group of people sitting out there, and they're, they're nice rows, and, and they look at all this, and, and uh, they go, you know, that's, that's really different. It's different to them. It was different to me before I got saved. I didn't grow up in that. And, and, and so they have no idea what we're all about. They're, they're, they're afraid of us. And, and along the way, here we are. We, we, we don't cuss. We don't get drunk. We don't watch raunchy movies. We don't tell dirty jokes. We, we don't go into nasty places. And, and they see all that. And you couple that with the fact they're used to religion that, honestly, they don't take it seriously. I didn't. It was just a religion. It was like nobody took it seriously. You just kind of go to church and, and you get it over with and then you go out and you just live the way you want to live. Folks, it's not rocket science. We are, we are parading Christ before them and perhaps these, the most powerful weapon we have is a godly life. And you know, if, if we really were cognizant continually of the fact that those who are without are watching us, you would see so many people in here that aren't here right now. Because every single one of you has a world that the other doesn't live in. It's a, a circle of influence. And there are people within that circle of influence, they're tired of this world. They're tired of the phoniness. They're tired of the shallowness. And, and in many cases, they're tired of their sin. They just don't even know it. They're living empty lives. They have this black hole in their heart. They're trying everything the world has to offer to fill it. And they're still coming up dry. And here you are. You know Christ. You're living in this fraternity, if I could call it that. And God has saved you so that you're now qualified to reach out to those who are without and to let your light so shine that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. God help us to remember we are a light. And the world has never probably been darker or larger. And it needs us. It needs, Christ has left us here with a job to reach in and pull those people onto this side of the fence, if you will, those who are without. Yes, sir. Let's stand to our feet, please, at this time.